1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 357. I'm at the beach, Scott. You know what that means. You're with bucket the, hat.
2: Bu- oh, bucket hat. I was going to say I'm with the bucket hat. and the negative times 10 because you're with your father, probably.
1: That's true. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm with the bucket hat, and so far, when I'm watching or listening to a game in a bucket hat, I'm undefeated this
2: year. This year? Uh, yeah, this season. That's a good number. I mean, I'm not going to mess with that. Anybody who messes with that is messing with fate. So rock the bucket hat. You should probably put it on right now. Well, it I was I would. Do you not want this podcast to go well? On
1: video, as you can see, the uh, it looks pretty stupid with my headphones on. It so looks, it's just going to sit beside me.
2: I got to tell you it looks really stupid if you put it over your headphones, <laughs> but if you put it under your headphones like a normal person, it'd probably no. look okay.
1: No, it, it won't. Here, watch.
2: <laughs> this is Oh, yeah, no, it looks great. looks great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have to tweet that video clip out. But, uh, yeah, as as I've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, it's my grandfather's bucket hat. He was a diehard Yankees fan, huge Joe DiMaggio fan as an Italian immigrant who could not be. So I think that's where the good luck comes from.
2: Cool, man. I love it. It's the only reason I don't make fun of you for that bucket hat is because it's got nostalgia. <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> well, or guy Brian down in the Baltimore DC chapter is trying to make bucket hats work, too. But he has... He's going so bold, man. He's going really bold with that, with that thing. Maryland flag. The Maryland the, that's flag. the Maryland flag. The Maryland flag has got, got aggressive. You know, like the, the Under Armour guys are like, you know what? We're a cool brand... We're in Maryland, we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway. like Oregon did it with Nike, so we're gonna do it with Maryland. and they chose the flag as like the thing to do. and it's probably the busiest flag I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can't even make out what's what. Yeah,
2: so like the fact that they put it on everything now it's it's aggressive, you know it's a uh, I'm sure it's well, cool for people in Maryland and that's fine like but they didn't let me into their college, so you know, F them.
1: <laughs> I have a hard time separating the Maryland flag from the Baltimore Ravens. So me as a as a not Baltimore Ravens fan, I, I can't. Uh, it's a little annoying.
2: Yeah, I don't care about the Ravens. <laughs> I don't care about the Ravens one bit.
1: Oh, you care about your kicker retiring because he couldn't hit a kick in the preseason? Did he retire? Yeah, I heard that announcement on the on. Uh, oh, I didn't even see that. WFAN. Yeah,
2: I don't care. Kickers are you know they they go with the wind. The the Jets they'll figure something out. I'm not worried about that.
1: So for the Yankees, uh, split it. Split the series up in Toronto. I, I was doing the I was did the little post game recap video today, and I said it would have really sucked to lose three out of four. I know that team is talented, but they're still not a good team when you look at their record. So uh, they're what talented Tanaka,
2: offensively. They have a little bit of pitching talent, but mostly on the offense.
1: You can kind of see the writing on the wall with that team, though. They're yeah. going to be a real dangerous team, especially offensively, in the next three. I mean they're already kind of dangerous offensively but in the next 1 to 3 seasons they're going to be a real pain in the ass to pitch against.
2: All those um I was I almost called them 90s kids but they're not 90s kids. They're like 2000s kids, I guess. late 90s late, very late late 90s, 90s early 2000s kids but yeah they're they're dangerous. Basically all the all the um their fathers are the ones I grew up watching. They're dangerous. <laughs> that whole team is like filled with with uh player kids. But yeah,
1: and now Bo Bichette comes up and just yeah I mean he's definitely one one.
2: we got the we got the uh the wrong Bichette unfortunately (laughs) we got the other we got the other Bichette that doesn't that did nothing and I think probably now caddying for for Bo
1: but I think uh having to get out of there with a with a win today in a well-pitched game today first time they've won all season not scoring more than three runs
2: so tonight, today was one of those days that I've been waiting to see for a long time. I've, been, I've talked about this a few times, you know, whether it's in the Facebook group or on here. I don't even remember where I talk about things anymore. But I, you know, I, for a long time, I've wanted to see them win that close game, low-scoring, close game where you know we need a full pitching game and, and not not have any kind of errors, not have the offense bail you out, but just a, It's just one of those low-scoring, close and late, and let's get out with a W because it, it feels like those are few and far between. And today was that day, you know, today you got that really good start by Tanaka, which is something that we've been waiting to see. And by the way, I said he was close. And then he comes out and delivers a eight inning gem. Eight and eight. Can we not overreact? Can no, we I'm going to overreact. It's more can fun. Can we say this is
1: a great building block and a great no, step in the right direction? No, because you know direction? why?
2: You know why? You overreact the other way. So why can't I, I react in a positive way? How about
1: that? I'm sorry. I don't think overreacting to two straight months of Either way pitching the, um, is bad. The
2: beautiful thing about that was you have uh, one guy handed off to your closer and your closer do his job like he's supposed to do, and you win a one nothing game uh, off of uh, a Brett Gardner RBI, which is even more beautiful. It's just it was a, it was a well played game. It was a good game. It was just one of those like kind of old school baseball games that you uh, that we really haven't seen very often. Are you starting to
1: eye? I know a lot of people are eye what the Astros are doing every day because right now they're tied with the Yankees for record, and they just blew a game to Baltimore. They gave up three. three they yeah, came back that. in the ninth, scored three runs, and then allowed three runs in the ninth inning and lost that game to Baltimore. Right now the Yankees and Astros have identical records.
2: Yeah. So I don't know if it's one of those things where you have a car and then all you have a new car and then you're looking around and you see the car everywhere again uh, because you now you know to look for that car or or I'm just or I am watching for the Astros because I did hear their uh their uh their update with the Baltimore score. So, you know, maybe I am listening for it a little bit more because at this point, you know, we're pretty much wrapped up with the AL East. If they were to lose the AL East, it would be Historical. Historically bad. So I and, and this team is not that. So so yeah, I, I think I'm looking over at uh Houston a little bit. Because I think that the home field advantage for the American league the entire way through is a big deal. It's a very big deal and I, I know the Astros are getting
1: guys back too. They're more they're getting healthier quicker than the Yankees are. The Yankees still have a lot of guys on the injured list. But I'm kind of doing a balancing act in my mind and it, it was a good example with Glaber Torres this week. Do you just put him on the I L and just Suck it up for ten days and and call up Estrada or Valera or somebody and just deal with it, or are you really trying to get them back as quick as possible because you're in a dogfight with Houston for the best record? Like that's a balancing act. I think the Yankees are going to have to make for the rest of the year. My if I'm making the calls, get my guys healthy. Yes, I want home field advantage, but get my guys healthy.
2: Yeah, I'm not sacrificing health by any means by chasing uh, Houston in that in that regard. I'm not. I, I wouldn't say necessarily if I if I were in Boone's spot or anybody on the Yankees spot. I'm not. I'm not necessarily chasing Houston or by any means or trying to I'm trying to do what I can every day to to be a better team be healthy and and move forward but I'm not I'm not scoreboard watching at this point if I'm the Yankees as a fan you can do it but as the as the New York Yankees no, no, no no they should get healthy that's the number one priority at this point I think
1: but I think that's the next thing in their mind is when we see that the AL East is wrapped up I know it's there's still a lot of games to go and their magic number is not they're not hitting their magic number anytime soon but like you said, let's be honest. The AL East is, for all intents and purposes, wrapped up.
2: Yeah, but that's not even a thing. Like they're looking forward to, and that's the next thing to look at is the Houston record. Because if you're doing that, you're still winning games and taking care of your business in the AL East. Yeah. Know? So your your eyes are still in the right place, even though you're not necessarily calling it the AL East title. You're calling it Houston for best record. So it's it's not like you're uh, taking things for granted at that point. You're still trying to win as many possible games as, as you can. So I think there's a difference there. Because some people were like, oh, you know, how about we just wrap up the East?" Well, you are going to wrap up the East if you're watching yeah. Houston and you're trying to catch them. Stay with them. Uh,
1: the uh, and there's a couple good benchmarks coming up in the next couple of weeks. We got four games against the Indians next weekend in the Bronx, and then they go on the West Coast trip and, and play the Dodgers. Those are two, I think, because Cleveland's a hot team right now. They're going to be in the playoffs, and the Dodgers are arguably the best team in baseball.
2: Yeah, arguably the um no, it's a big, it's a good benchmark. It's nice to have those along the way for sure. Cleveland is definitely. Did they take, did they overtake Detroit? I know they were tied. Detroit, uh, Minnesota, they were tied there. It's right there. I know it's a dogfight. It's going to be in the uh, in the AL Central, but they are, are are a hot team, and and it looks like the trades have worked out with them so far as well too. They're not really uh, regressing by any means from that. They've actually built off of the offensive uh, players that they've gotten. But that's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be a, a fun series to watch because I I, I want to see the Yankees right now get tested against good teams who are. Uh, you know, playoff aspirational and um and then you know going to the west coast, that's just gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be a pain in the ass watching those horrible uniforms, but you know like well, I mean, they're going say we,
1: ten they're gonna say ten p m games
2: no nah, I mean yeah that'll that'll be brutal too, but the um the uniforms are they're just killing me like then I whatever I'm not even gonna get into that but the uh, the that. the fact that the dodgers uh, and the Yankees are playing with the two best records in baseball are right up there with Houston as well. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be one of those. You know, they want the bragging rights. Those are two teams that definitely want to beat the the other team, even though really there's nothing Im- implied with it.
1: No, I mean it's also a team that, whether the team's admit it or not, they're not going to admit it. It's a team they hope to see later down the road because they each want to make the World Series, and those are two of the three most likely teams to be in the World Series.
2: Major League Baseball badly, badly, badly wants Yankees, Yankees Dodgers. Dodgers. Oh, huh. Oh, yeah. No doubt, Yankees, Dodgers. Yankees-Cubs, Yankees-Dodgers. Dodgers is the number one team uh, on social media for Major League Baseball. By a lot, I think. The last time I checked, it was by a lot. And, uh, you know, the fact that the, there's just so much history there, that's that's a huge deal. Like, way more than the Cubs. The the, the, the parallels and the whole New York thing, and, you know, just the, the two epic franchises you think of for baseball are Yankees-Dodgers. At least I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: The pro- do you think they're the two most recognizable franchises outside of the U S for baseball. Or do, do you think Red Sox are ahead of Dodgers? I think Red Sox might be ahead of Dodgers.
2: Yeah, you'd be close, but you, I think in Asia, you see a ton of Dodgers fans probably just because of, you know, um, I know
1: you see a ton of Mariners fans. Well
2: that, but, but when, when Nomo came over, I mean, it was such a huge deal and yeah. I can only imagine how the generations have passed down Dodger blue from there. Um, you know, maybe I'm off with that, but, but, uh, I, I know there's a contingent from Japan. So
1: let's let's kick it back to Thursday and talk about it. the Yankees just continued to rake as soon as they went into, into Toronto. It looked like they were going to be un, unstoppable just from their offensive, offensive production out of Baltimore. Urshela hits two two-run home runs. I have a crazy stat in here. So I saw this go out and I updated it. I went out on Twitter the other day and I updated it. So Andujar on this date last year. 296-329-511 841 OPS 17 home runs, 55 RBIs. Gio Urshela on this date. 320, 367, 570, 936 OPS, 17 home runs, 61 RBIs. And right now, G.R. Shell has the highest OPS plus on the Yankees.
2: Crazy. What, what is going on? What is going on? The Yankees found a, uh, a gold glove caliber type third baseman who can rake <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere. They pull, literally, Cashman pulled him out of his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He pulled him out of his ass. He pulled him he out of his ass. got him for cash considerations. He pulled Cameron Mabin out of his ass. He pulled Mike Talkman out of his ass. You know what? I, I you, Everybody Cameron can start Mabin. harping on all these pitching woes for Cashman. Shut the up. Uh, because well, the, the, no. It's still fair to criticize. It's criticize Fine. But you, there, this is unprecedented, the amount of position players that this guy has come up with. Unprecedented. The last...
1: Three years have been, DD yeah, the last three Hicks. years. Yeah. But for okay, so when you you mentioned the three guys, uh, Maben, Talkman, Urshela, in my mind, I can at least make sense of Cameron Mabin. While he's never been a superstar, he has at least been a productive major league player, and he was one of the uh, bigger prospects back in like 2007. I know it's a long time ago, it's but 12 at least, years ago, at least that's a guy you've heard of.
2: For ten straight that's years, just he's name, been a major that's player. That's just name value. That's just making you feel better. That's all but, that it, is.
1: But you can logically say, okay, this guy's a little rejuvenated because he's on a, a team headed for the playoffs, and he was stuck in the minor leagues up until this year. So maybe he's a little bit fired up. So fine, I can make sense of that in my mind. Mike Talkman, they looks like pulled a Luke Voigt, right? Steal somebody from the minor leagues that you find value—an older guy. He, yeah, vo, um, he's twenty-eight.
2: Well, I'll void. Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, I want to say Voight's twenty-seven, but Talkman Tuchman, Talkman's 28.
1: twenty-eight. Never really got consistency anywhere in in Colorado. They got him. Be- the reason they got Talkman is because of injuries in spring training.
2: Right. Same thing with Urshela. Honestly, well, not spring training, but but that was the reason they got Urschella. Was an injury thing, and then the fact that they had a guy in front of him who couldn't really field.
1: <laughs> right. Urshela was kind of brought in. Luke Voight is twenty-eight in- years old. Okay, so it's very similar with Talkman. No one understands how Gio Urshela has all of a sudden just flipped a switch because he has had significant playing time in the major leagues and not been a good offensive player, and now he is the Yankees'
2: biggest offensive player. It's like I, I, I can't say that without laughing. Um, Gio Urshela will be 28 in October, so Cashman is looking around for 28 year 27 year old guys. I have not peaked that's that's what he's doing he's looking for guys in their physical prime and they're like who can can turn the uh turn the pager that hasn't gotten an opportunity because you the argument is like 26 27 28 that's like physical prime right like that's that's when you're probably at your strongest at your more, most uh most athletic like you have full control of your body at that point like that's that's where you're ready to go I'd say um so maybe he's looking for that I don't know but you right? know I'm he's surprised hit, he's hitting some uh he's hitting some pretty damn good 27 year olds
1: I am surprised we have not gotten a story about the Yankees uh, offensive coaches and, and analytics department, similar to the Astros pitching coaches and analytics department, how Houston seems to just pull in pitchers and turn them into all-stars, and now the Yankees are pulling in like either guys you've never thought of before or journeyman players or mo- players who can't get out of their own way in the minor leagues and turning them into offensive juggernauts in, in – uh, in the majors like mike talkman right now so this went out in our facebook chat so uh, i forget who, who someone's writing about mike talkman potentially uh, rookie of the year
2: oh yeah i saw that that's amazing like <laughs> well he's not going to win rookie of the year but who's he, up there i haven't even looked at to see like who are the um eligible
1: your Don alvarez is going to get rookie of the year he's leading in pretty much everything
2: but it, the Astros. How, but, but what are the at-bats how, what are the number at-bats well, Alvarez has more, a Talkman. lot more, probably, and and the numbers with the way that Talkman's been hitting, I gotta believe they're getting closer. But so here here's
1: here's some ranks uh, where Talkman ranks favorably. You gotta Four? look at
2: you gotta look at the at bats too, though. That's important. Well,
1: no, but I mean the more at bats. I mean that that's a reason why Sanchez didn't win Rookie of the Year two but years. That was ago, such a small. Ago.
2: That was such a small amount, though. Like the his sample size was super 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 small. Talkman is gonna get. Probably more at-bats than Sanchez got that year, I would assume. Uh,
1: If he continues to play pretty much every day. But uh, this is where he ranks. For Fangraph's war, he ranks fourth behind Lau, Alvarez, and Vogelback. He ranks second in weighted-on-base average behind only Alvarez, and second in WRC+, plus behind only Alvarez. He qualifies for all of these things. He has enough plate appearances to qualify for these things. He's not leading them, and he's not... um, and he has fewer plate appearances, which actually hurts him. Because if you look at a guy, say, say they're neck and neck for something like WRC+, well, if a guy has done it over 400 plate appearances versus 300 plate appearances, you're going to give it to the guy with 400. I
2: understand that. It, the, the fact that he's in the conversation is hilarious. No! no it's, <laughs> it's,
1: the fact that he's in the conversation is all you need to know about Mike Talkman. Because yeah. if you had asked anybody... Who's watched baseball? Anyone who watched the Yankees the also back break. in June at the All Star break? Up, he came up before the London series, and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe Mike Talkman got the call up and Clint Frazier didn't watch. Yes. The Yankees are, 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 this is a slap on the wrist for Clint Frazier. This is literally, the, they're thinking they can rather have Mike Talkman than Clint Frazier. They're idiots. And then a month and a half later, and Mike Talkman has been the best player in baseball since the end of June. That's not a exaggeration that's not hyperbole he has been the best player in baseball since the end of June
2: I had to make arguments for him just to say take the other side of it to say that the reason he's up here is because of defense which was true there were parts of that but nobody nobody in a million years expected any type of remotely close to this offense I mean like split it in half people didn't expect that so question if you had to say
1: one of them if you had to bet your life on one of them being the real deal, who do you think is more legit the real deal? Geo or Talkman? Oof. Um because here, let me say this the advanced metrics on Geo are better than the advanced metrics on Talkman. Exit velocity, barrel percentage, that kind of stuff actually favors Geo, which indicate his numbers are not a fluke. Where Talkman, while they are getting better, a you could say maybe he's getting a little lucky. Remember we talked about his batting average on balls in play was like 500?
2: I mean, Gio's been playing longer as well, so he's got a better sample size for the advanced metrics. I, I wasn't even considering any metrics. I was going purely off of my eyeballs and just like ba- <laughs> Classic. <laughs> basic. Classic. Basically, uh, I'll give you my gut feeling of the two of them at this point when I'm watching them all year now, and I would say Gio, just because Gio um, – because he's been doing it longer. I mean, like that's I, – I, I value – uh, time and the fact that you've been doing it for as long as you have, I, I think that's a big consideration because I know guys in baseball can get very, very hot for a month. We've seen it. Shelly Duncan got very hot for uh, an extended period of time and then became Shelly Duncan again. So you know, both of these guys could turn into pumpkins again very easily. That could happen. But you or Shelly to me, the way that he's hitting in, with with runners in scoring position, the way that he's playing defense, um, you know, the fact that he's hitting the ball out of the park now. It's 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 absolutely insane to me what he's doing. And, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying what what Talkman's doing. But we're talking about two of the most of the of the best stories, the biggest stories in baseball, really, of, of guys that have come from absolutely nowhere um, to where they've become. And honestly, you could go up and down this Yankees roster and probably name four or five of them. But but yeah, uh, Urshela would probably be my bet. We kind of
1: li- we obviously live in a Yankees bubble. I don't know if anyone around baseball is really talking about Mike Talkman.
2: Well, they have to be for the past at least week or so. There's, there's, well, say
1: you're, say you're like an Astros, now Astros might not be a good example. Say you're, say you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan and you're just like perusing like leaderboards and you see Yankees Mike Talkman leading since like the All Star break. You're probably just like looking past that and saying, I've never heard of that guy, whatever.
2: Yeah. It's, you're
1: not, you're not, you're not thinking, looking, okay, let me Google Mike Talkman and see who this guy is.
2: Right. I mean, if you're a casual fan, you're probably. Going past that and be like, oh, You're they're probably
1: not perusing fangrass leaderboards. That's true. But... <laughs>
2: that is true. Uh, yeah. No, it looks like a, a, an error or, or a guy that got just super hot at a time, which yeah. again, could be true. Has Ursh- kind of been what's but happened. But Urshela has been doing it. I mean, Urshela took the spot of a guy that probably should have been rookie of the year last year uh, and and was, you know, absolutely no-name is guy this one of the up.
1: like? Could this be one of the biggest Wally
2: Pipp moments since actual Wally Pipp? Yes, it very well it really could be even though i don't think anduhr is going anywhere yet until he gets back and shows who he can be or i think they might just change positions with him honestly but um yeah absolutely i mean this is a guy that's come out of literally obscurity and and proved to be a a, a dynamic player on the offensive side and the defensive side there's no other way to put it i like mean i've been I just so good you,
1: i just gave you those metrics a- a- Andujar was uh, maybe the yankees best hitter last year and urshela is blowing them out of the water in a lot of categories and at least tied in in a lot of categories well, we're also seeing a lot of the offense the just
2: blow the water blow out the water what we saw last year too when you look at the um that anduhar number that we had up a couple weeks ago with runners in scoring position the hits yeah and the fact I've, i don't remember it may have been a total where looked total up or it number of total
1: number of hits with runners in scoring position and they were damn near this was, even. This was like a month ago yeah. and geo excuse me LeMahieu almost had as many as Andujar all of last year. Right, and Urshel was like half a season.
2: Urshela, uh two nights ago, when I heard the, uh, when I heard the LeMahieu number, when LeMahieu was hitting 415, I think it was with runners in scoring position. At that point, Gio Urshello was number five, I think, in the league. So he's up there somewhere, close to that number. So at this point, you're looking at a guy who's either been, he's right there or exceeded. I don't have that number in front of me, but he's right there. So, yeah, but you're seeing more of that on the Yankees team, period. Like last year, Har was one of, the, one of the saving graces for, you know, guys with runners in scoring position because the whole team was struggling with runners in scoring position.
1: He seemed like the only guy who could put bat yeah. on ball in a big situation.
2: And that's why we, we were like, we need this guy. He, he looks crazy at some points, but he puts the bat on the ball. He's got that, you know, that, uh, that, that innate ability to just make contact. And you need that in a lineup that strikes out so much. Who so knew Herman, we were adding, like, four guys that could help?
1: <laughs> Herman started the Thursday game and looked really good and then just absolutely hit a wall in the fifth inning. And I thought it was interesting, a couple of things, actually. So his previous start before that was the seven-inning uh, start against Boston, which tied his season high for innings. So one thing I was thinking of, are we starting to see him hit a wall because of he's pitched more? <laughs> this season than he ever has before. And that sort of triggered a conversation between Ruko and Cohen on the broadcast talking about how um, uh, Herman even said, I don't. I think it would be better if they just limit my pitch count within games versus skipping starts or being shut down.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is something that Cohen has talked about in the past too, about you know how they're going to do it and just the strategy of, of limiting a guy when you're worried about the workload and, and you're trying to get him you know, manage to a point where he's going to be effective later in the season and into the postseason. And it's there's definitely no, you know, guaranteed recipe by any means. But Yankee fans are have been cut deep by this. So we're very, very sensitive to how you're going to do this with the loss of Jabba. We talked about that last week uh, and, you know, how they mishandled that. And, you know, again, you know, just across baseball, looking at how uh, Strasburg was, was, uh, mishandled and shut down when the Nationals had a real opportunity to win a title that year. And it looked like they kind of blew it when you look in, uh, as a Monday morning quarterback. So, but then you can also look at, you know, you're, you're hearing what Herman's saying, like, don't shut me down. It's going to be better for me. But I'm also seeing the fact that he did get shut down for a while, came back and is pitching well again. So I'm wondering where the, you know, you, how much you can listen to a player, how much you have to look at history and what they've done, how much you look at the injury history. And there's no science to this. Like it's, 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 it's almost a complete guesswork. And you're just basing it off of the doctors that have been around him, the pitching coaches that have been around him, what he's saying, and like trying to put that together and say, okay, this is how we're moving forward. I, I don't know what the right answer is because I don't think there really is a right answer at this point. Well, you, you could actually say Herman
1: is saying the opposite of what he actually proved to be good for him earlier in the right. season because he got shut down for the pretty much the entire month of June, came back and was very strong, and then had the all-star break so he had extended rest in between starts and was good in that extended rest start. Yeah, And now we saw him pitch poorly the other night after pitching
2: on, on the fifth day after throwing seven innings, which is more than he's used to throwing. But again, like you said earlier, for me not to overreact to Tanaka's start, that's this is one start after a seven-inning. It could have just been, you know, he literally hit a wall. Or the, the fact that he got up uh, uh, you know, X amount of times against this lineup and they started doing some work to him because they're, was also a, because they're a talented lead. lineup and he was throwing a lot of strikes, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is. But, but you, do, you damn well know if the Yankees mess this up,
2: people are going to be pissed. It's 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 a, it's a it's a there's one path to a win on this for the Yankees, and that's that's Herman making it through the season healthy and pitching well in the playoffs. That's it. That's the only win for them, because anything
1: else because is he if he starts to, if he struggles. Then people will say, oh, "Well, yeah. he he hit a roadblock. He hit a, a wall because he's pitched too much." And then if they shut him down, he comes back and he struggles. They'll say, "Well, he's struggling because you shut him down." Right. And if he skip starts, it's 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 a sort of like the Boone situation today with Tanaka bringing him back out in the ninth inning. Damned if you, damned if you don't.
2: That one had even a little bit more leeway, I think. But but for for Herman, if you're looking at like the big picture, there's really only one way for this to go right for the Yankees. And that's for him to be healthy, pitch well, and pitch well in the playoffs. So everything's is that fair. It's it's not fair. No, because I because because again, like I said, there's no science to this. This is this has this is uncharted territory because not not the situation. That's not uncharted. But you don't know how each guy is gonna react. You have no idea how the body's gonna react to different things until it happens. And unless you have um you know the proof, like maybe they're saying, well, we do. We do have some data on this. He has been shut down, and he's come back effectively. So maybe they're saying, well, hold on a second. We do have some data. I know it's recent, and it just happened, but it's there. Maybe, maybe, what that's, a, do maybe is, that's what they're, they're going to look at. Here's also
1: things they're going to be looking at. Is he getting the same amount of swings and misses and starts? Is he maintaining velocity? Is he maintaining location? Is he maintaining his mechanics? Because if any of those things start to break down, that could indicate fatigue. Fatigue,
2: for sure. Absolutely. So, if they
1: see any of those factors raising a red flag, they can go to him and say, Hey, no, you say it's going to hurt you, but it's actually going to help you. Trust us. Absolutely. They could absolutely do that. Jabba trusted them too. <laughs> Jabba was a whole other thing <laughs> because they put so many stupid limitations on him. I don't think they would make that mistake again. Was shutting a guy down for two or three weeks is not what they did to Jabba Chamberlain. It was like bizarre what they did with Jabba Chamberlain.
2: It, I, I think it's going to have to be more of a fluid situation in that sense but I mean when you're seeing the fact that he has been shut down and has been able to come ramp back up in a relatively quick amount of time I think that should give the Yankees some confidence knowing that if they do have to shut him down for a week or two that he's able to physically rebound from that and get back to it mentally as well because he's done it and he's done it this season and you know if you're looking for something like that for for a guy to feel confident in himself well again uh, herman you've you've done it this season twice we've seen it you can do this you are good doing this like so if you're trying to get over any kind of mental blocks or hurdles in that point too there's obviously some recency bias where you can and point the mental to that.
1: thing can actually uh be bad for him too because if he doesn't trust oh absolutely the mental if he's thing is not probably, trusting
2: that's probably one of the biggest things honestly is the, is the fact yeah. that you have to be mentally you have to you have to be confident in yourself physically knowing that you're going to go out there and give it your best effort and have your best stuff like on any given he, day,
1: say they decide to shut him down, and he doesn't trust them, that could be just as bad as making the wrong decision on what to do with him anyway.
2: If there's animosity with the decision, that's a problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's there, a real there, sticky situation. The communication <laughs> needs to be absolutely. So, it needs to be great. You know what I think we
1: found out? Don't have your best pitcher be a guy that you didn't expect to be your best pitcher, and he doesn't have enough innings
2: to where he can pitch a full season. <laughs> I mean that's like it just, it's I'm joking but it's created a problem. I I mean I'm not calling it a problem but but the the thing is also there's a mentality this is where you look and you're like okay you know what we re-signed CC Sabathia. We re-signed Brett Gardner, not because we think not only because we think they can be effective players, but we also really, really like their presence in the clubhouse. This is one of those situations, in one of those places, and not just CC, but other guys that he's influenced in the past. I think can be a very big, important piece to what Herman does. And and if that is a stumbling block, the mentality, the the whole mental side of, you know, whether you agree with it or not, the decision of what the trainers are saying, what the team is saying, you have guys that like CC who has been through everything when it comes to major league pitchers you have a guy like severino who's be who's been a guy come up through the system been a reliever been a starter been shut down brought has come back you have guys that have been through this stuff before that i think can you know be those type of leaders and help out in those type of situations so you know not to not to say that that's such a huge part of it but i do think that the um the clubhouse makeup does become more important as the season goes on and the fact that you're seeing like guys like uh come out and said CC like I don't care where I pitch in the playoffs it doesn't matter to me like I just want to help and win and win a championship like that that's it so all of the the ego and the things that you are agreeing or disagreeing like out the window and I think guys like CC and Gardner who's going to get you know sporadic playing time possibly can help with that
1: well for someone like CC he can't really put up a he can't put up a stink about pitching because he just hopes to pitch later in the season and he hopes to pitch in the playoffs similar to Hap like I don't know if Hap is going to get the ball even get on the roster in in the playoffs with the way he's pitched because he went out I know he pitched okay against the Red Sox but he came back on uh uh, when did he pitch he pitched on Friday and got crushed again and I saw a stack go out over the weekend among qualified uh pitchers in Yankees history he has the highest ERA and highest home runs per nine inning among any starting pitchers in the Yankees history (laughs)
2: I mean that's bad. It's not good. It's not. So, a, that's not a good stat. I would not want to be uh, associated can we, can with that Can we officially
1: stat? say like like J hap is not going to turn it around this year? Or like I, I have no confidence he's going to turn it around this year. I've, we've seen nothing to indicate he's going to turn it around.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to get to that point though. I I, 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 I don't like uh, raising the flag on anybody. Still, I just just this. I guess that's just the the way I look at things. But, um, you know, to me, when you're looking at those situations too, like even though they're they're obviously. At this point, they're not going to be major contributors as far as getting the ball to start a game. It really doesn't matter. It's really just their mindset and the fact that they're saying that uh, you know that they will do anything. Because I think when you're in the clubhouse, guys necessarily aren't looking at like who's good and who's bad and what they're saying and that sense. They're just kind of seeing who they are, what they've been. And what they're saying, the fact that they're a leader on the team. And that's it. To me, that's important. So even if it, you know, it's just. What do you just, mean they're not looking at who's. Been I, so like good when back? you're, I think when they're on the team, they're not looking at like, well, CeCe's only saying that because he's not going to get the ball. Like I don't think that, that oh, crosses no, his yeah. brain. As a fan, no, but, as but, a fan, Jay Happ damn well that. knows he's sucked. <laughs> I know, but when you're looking at two veteran guys saying, hey, I don't care. Like we just need to win a World, Te- a World Series. That's the goal. We will do whatever it takes. Like that rolls downhill to some of the um, younger guys, I think. The mentality. Okay. And it could, yeah, be, big. I think it could I... be big with Herman if that's if that's one of those things. Because we've seen that fighter out of him this year. We've seen the, him take the ball and want to be that guy. And I love that.
1: And I think um, they also see what the team is doing with the starting rotation right now, going to an opener. Unfortunately, they lost with the opener on Saturday. First time all season, they lost using the opener.
2: But I got what? something to admit. Okay, I'm really happy they finally lost a game with the opener. <laughs> <laughs> I am really happy that they lost a game finally with the opener because you know what? But it wasn't really the opener's fault. I a lot don't of care. They gave up the lead late in the game, yeah, th- but it doesn't matter. That's the whole point about an opener. Like it could go bad at because any. Because there's
1: been certain games earlier in the year where they have used the opener, and the only reason they won is they scored like nine run runs. Run support, yeah.
2: yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad it, it, it didn't work for one time. Just so we can just you know like let's bet, let's let's slow down on this a little bit.
1: You think the pendulum is starting to sw- is going to start swinging back the other way on the opener? No. Because they've gotten lucky with the openers where they've gotten performances out of guys like Nestor Cortez. I don't know if Nestor Cortez, who's been good this year, I know he didn't pitch in the opener. He pitched, you know, that's actually probably why they lost because Nestor Cortez pitched in that Hap game. Yeah. So he had couldn't pitch on Saturday and they ended up having to go to Chance Adams and Tarpley. Who uh, Tarpley's been
2: Tarpley. been good on, he's on but the, they on the they IL gave up now. three
1: they gave up three runs in, in four innings,
2: yeah uh, yeah Tarpley had runners on base Chance Adams let them all in, but yes they uh, Tarpley was, was pretty good I thought um, and it looks at, it looks like he was I guess either pitching with a uh, elbow impingement the the entire time or that's why he got pulled uh, I don't know, uh, but he's on now on the aisle with an elbow impingement which went out as a shoulder and then they corrected it as an elbow twenty I believe 29th guy. It's just wild to it's touch crazy.
1: the IL this year. Twenty eighth or 29th guy to touch the IL this year.
2: Um, but you know, I mean, hey, Joe Mantiply, 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 whatever his name is, who's been with the organization in the past. <laughs> Joe Multiply. He is. Uh, he's the the next Savage up, right? Like he, Joey Multiplication. He's the next. He's the next Nestor Cortez. He's the next. Uh, he's the next. You know, next guy to 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 step in there and be Steven Tarpley and pitch effective innings. Like it, so far, it has gone pretty well. Chance Adams really hasn't, and you know you know swung it back to uh like anybody is mm. up is going to do well he's struggled a bit but so uh,
1: apparently Brian Cashman was asked at one of the writers dinners in the off season um hey what's a guy that's on no one's radar that might do something this year and he said Joe Mantiply oh that's reported that he said that on <laughs> i forget if it was Eric Boland or um one of the other like Daily news or post guys tweeted out yeah. like something like that. Like I talked to Cashman at one of these writers' dinners back in like December and he
2: mentioned Joe Mantiple. Was it one of those you things know? where he said, hey, don't don't write this, but keep an eye? Or you can write well, it now. I
1: mean, maybe it was written about and no one ever batted an eyelash because no one knew who Joe Mantiple was. Well we but didn't. When uh, they do you think when other they GMs acquired are,
2: why are other GMs not scouring those lists? <laughs> like, why don't they have Google alerts set up for You know the fact that whatever Brian Cashman says says is a. Because then I think maybe
1: Brian Cashman will throw out uh, incorrect. Like you know how when you try and find a rat
2: in yeah. organization, you you put out out wrong information.
1: That could be Brian Cashman too. He's just sending out random minor leaguers' names to see what GMs are going to bite on him
2: (laughs) I I love it. I think it's gold. (laughs) But but in reality, he sent it out and it was real, and nobody did anything.
1: Oh, I mean, the guy. We'll see.
2: They're like, do you really think I would put the correct information out there? Do, do you so, think I'm uh, the that Yankees stupid?
1: leave it to Brian Cashman to find the loophole in the only one trade deadline post uh, system yeah. trade move where you can get you can for you can trade non-40 man guys
2: yeah no it's uh I saw it come up on my phone and because we get emails from the Yankees uh, like when transactions happen and I' pop up I'm like what the what how and so I started looking, like, I know that name, first of all. I'm like, is he a major league – Is he does he have a major league contract? Like, what is the deal with this trade? How did it happen? Uh, and, yeah, minor league trade. So good for Cashman. So, that's, that's like, this is Cashman season, baby. Like, Cashman's well, like, yeah, everybody else is screwed. But you know what? I'm about to go to work. So you're I'm not picking not gonna, up the phone if I'm another GM.
1: Maybe people aren't going to like this uh, because they hate the Patriots. Many people know I, I'm a Patriots fan. And Bill Belichick will just do things – that no one knows about like the time he did like the offensive line shifts against the Ravens in the playoffs just to prove that he knew a rule that the other coaches didn't know like I don't put it past Cashman for making this trade just to show that he could figure out how to beat the system
2: just so you know I'm smarter than you and this is how you yes. break the system but doesn't that strike you as some a, yeah, a Brian Cashman move yeah yeah he's like the guy that you hire he's the ex-con that you hire uh you know that are you're trying to find the uh the you know the the insecurities in your system. He's the catch me if you can guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm drawing a blank on his actual name, but Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> yeah, the guy in the movie. It'll it'll probably hit me at some point in this uh, in this episode. But I think it's interesting because a lot of GMs were quoted saying they didn't like that it's a single trade deadline. So I could see, and it, since there's movement, even like off the forty man roster, that might be a rule that's instituted next year that you can't do that anymore. I mean I don't know how that got past major league baseball rulemakers anyway. Maybe they don't care. But I could actually I think see it them... could
2: be them not caring. Okay. Because okay just theoretically if you're make a good thing. But there's gotta be something like that, you can gonna... fudge.
1: There's gotta be a way you could fudge that
2: to actually Oh they'll find a way. Yeah exactly like you you know there's a there's a way I mean even you look at the um, the Joe Panic thing. Maybe Joe Panic wanted to go home. And he knew that the Mets would claim him, and he was, they were the highest waiver. Right. And so he's like, just release me because I want to go home. Like, if you, if you have any respect for me at this point, you know I'm not going to be here. If you release me now, the Mets are going to pick me up, and I'll be able to go home and play baseball. You don't think that so, conversation happened? I guarantee it happened.
1: So I think there'll be Major League Baseball people investigating what has gone on this season after the trade deadline and they're going to adapt because i could see them moving it to a single deadline on august 31st or august
2: 20th or later in the season yeah i mean it does it does put teams right now and in, into uh you know in interesting positions when you're if injuries happen and you can't make a move at this point so i wouldn't be surprised if they pushed it back if there's if they stick with one deadline and they i think it, it should back. just
1: be august 31st non non-waiver trade deadline august 31st 31st on august 31st a guy has to be on your 40-man roster in order to be eligible for the playoffs
2: the problem is with that is that you're you're now pushing it so far back for the whole entire trade deadline that you really you know teams are completely out of it
1: and but maybe you'll still get movement in late july and early august
2: no you will but the but but at the same time like you're gonna have some big time sellers and it could really affect the way that the um that the it could affect the, the strengths of, of, of different teams in a, in, a, in a really big way. I don't know. I could just see it being manipulated in a bad way where teams are definitely you know, not in it and, and just, just selling, and then the product being much worse in two to three years. What is the reason they did it? Do we actually know the reason why they did this? I don't know the exact reason, like why why the definition of of why I they believe
1: did it. what was talked about why they made they got rid of the non waiver trade deadline was to increase movement at the July thirty first deadline to sort of create a like an NBA like an NBA off season um, sort of uh, news cycle where you just get a flood of information and it's all anyone's talking about. I think that's what they wanted. I don't think it it really mattered though because I kind of backfired. Well,
2: you were still getting that no matter even last, like with all the trade lines. Right. You you get that that that. every, you get that every, you get that in the offseason in December. I mean, you can look at (laughs) It's funny because if you look at like, I mean, shit, talk about where they need more movement. It's the offseason. That's where they need to impose a deadline for sure so that things don't drag out and people can move on with their lives (laughs) and actually like understand. And also so we don't
1: have two of the best young free agents ever to hit the market unsigned in March. Yeah.
2: Well, and then have guys not sign period. So if you have a, a signing period, then you allow people to come into camp, you allow teams to introduce them to your fans, you allow the them to make moves in the marketing side and, and establish themselves within a market. There's a lot of things that you can do if you are that are positive to me for, for baseball and for fans. Moving this up, I don't think if if, if that were the reason, like to, to stimulate the end of July, like it was already a big deal. The moves that happen later aren't needle. There's aren't one like the fact that Andrew McCutcheon, as an older veteran guy, got got uh, moved over from the San Francisco Giants to the Yankees. Like it was cool for the Yankees, like us were like, okay, I didn't expect that to happen. Baseball didn't care about that. Like baseball doesn't care about those those uh, those those types yeah. of non you know post deadline moves. No, not as much at
1: least. Yeah, but I think it's uh, GMS have have specifically said I don't like this, so I think something will change.
2: Yeah, well we'll see what happens.
1: So uh, I want to tell you guys about Indochino before we move on to the rest of the show. Scott, I'm going to a wedding next weekend. I'm wearing an Indochino suit. Nice. I, uh, I, I went and I got it custom fit, custom made. Uh, it's a really cool process. You go in you feel like a baller when you go in there. Yeah. Because a lot of people, you can't go into a place and just drop like $5,000 on a suit. Like that's not realistic, but you still want it to look good. You want it to feel good. You want to feel confident in the suit or tux that you're wearing. You want to feel Indochino, like it's made to you too. That's a big yeah. deal. And you don't want to go buy off the rack and then be like, well, it kind of fits, but it doesn't really fit. Like this thing's gonna fit you like a glove. Right. So I went in there. They they measured me. They they I'm able to pick out the fabric that I want. You can custom the inside lining. You can uh, put your initials on it. So I got AHR
2: on there. Dangerous. Like dangerous, I said, dangerous picking f- the b- picking the fabrics. Women well, are like, are I, you sure I want my, my husband to be to do that? It's dangerous. So it's, I brought Leanne,
1: and <laughs> and I also was like, this doesn't look stupid, right, to, to <laughs> right. the to the people in there
2: helping me. Leanne gets but, married, and there's pinstripes on the inside of her <laughs> suit. I was
1: like, well, how about wearing a white? Can, can grooms wear white? Is that a thing? <laughs> white with pinstripes. I'll put a number on the back, no name. But um, if you guys are looking to uh, buy a new suit, buy a tuxedo. If you're looking to get something for a wedding you're going to, or maybe you're getting married yourself and you want to set up your groomsmen, Indochino is definitely the way to go. Like I said, you go in there, you make a custom, uh, you make an appointment, they custom fit you. You are confident that you're getting uh, a quality product. There's over 40 showrooms in North America. So you just search on Indochino.com. Uh, you can even input your measurements online, um, or you can go in and get measured if you don't know what they are. Uh, Scott, tell people how they can uh, get a deal with Indochino.
2: Yeah, so this week our listeners can get any uh, any premium Indochino suit for just 369 bucks at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code BRONX at checkout. Uh, plus you get some free shipping, which is awesome. That's a great thing. Uh, that's Indochino.com, promo code BRONX for any premium suit for just 369 bucks and free shipping. Incredible deal for uh, a premium made-to-measure suit Again, these are for you, tailored for you. So once, once again, go get your custom uh, suit and don't go back. Indochino.com, promo code Bronx.
1: So I got some numbers here about starting pitching in number of times through the order. We know the Yankees don't like to really stretch their guys through third time through the order, um, but the numbers really bear it out. So first time through the order, Yankees pitching allows a 731 OPS. Second time through the order, 781 OPS. Third time through the order, 971 OPS. League average is 797. Yeah. And they're allowing it's a 971. That's a huge difference.
2: That's why we have a bullpen, isn't it?
1: Well, <laughs> yes. But you'd say, okay, well, is that just like numbers being skewed by Sabathia and Hap and, and it's not the guys who you're really going to be trusting? Not really, because her mom, third time through the order, 898 OPS. Paxton, 985 Tanaka 1, 000, 1.002. It's going to be under a thousand now because it's excluding Sunday stats where he went eight innings. Uh, Sabathia over a thousand OPS. Hap actually eight eighty nine. Surprisingly, the best out of any of them third time through the order. But the catch on him is eight hundred OPS every time through the order.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's you don't want, you don't want it to be like that way the entire time through. <laughs> he's got a lot. Whereas 11, like he's... Herman Paxton
1: and Tanaka really fall off a cliff the third time.
2: Yeah, I mean. I'd be interested to see where that is on baseball, uh, you know, across the board and how prevalent you see this. Um, I gave you the stats: seven ninety-seven league average, third time through the order for p- starting pitching. I know, but when you're looking at it, uh, what I mean is like dissecting each lineup, each rotation, and like seeing where those numbers actually lie for the for the top guys too. And I'm curious to see in, in today's baseball, you know, where uh, the the top ten percent or the top twenty five percent of baseball pitchers. Today in 2019, where they where they rank in, in a in a stat like that? Because I I have to assume it's higher, you know, going back to uh, other years as well. And the fact that there's you know such a, a focus now on bullpen, and the Yankees have spent so much money on their bullpen. The fact that they have all these these guys that could come in and pitch, you know, I, I don't think this number hurts us as much uh, in the playoffs as it does in the regular season because you're trying to stretch guys, you're trying to save your bullpen as much. But when you go to the postseason, like to me. That number, while it's not great, obviously, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, at that point on the third time through, you're, you're almost at a pitch by pitch, batter by batter, um, you know, situation. So who cares? Like, they'll, get, if they get past the guy or if you have horrible numbers, you have this bullpen in there for this reason. So I don't think it actually affects the Yankees as much when you're looking at like what we're here for, and that's to win a championship. Well, the Yankees pitching staff
1: overall is built. To these numbers, meaning that they have a stacked bullpen for for specifically this reason.
2: Yeah, they're combating it. They know it's but, there. But you know, the
1: third time through the order could come in the sixth inning, or it could come in the fourth inning. Like that's a big difference.
2: Well, I mean, if it's coming in the fourth inning, you got other it could problems. It,
1: could it even? What's the minimum it could come through? I should have figured this out. I don't know. Nine Six. nine times three. Sixth inning, seventh inning is the minimum it could come.
2: Unless they're just getting lit up.
1: No, I'm saying if you go through the order and you get everyone out, oh, the if you get everyone time, out. Okay, first yeah, yeah. two times through, you're at the seventh inning. Okay, that's great. If you're but you're of... not necessarily getting lit up if it's in the fourth or fifth inning. I you could maybe have given up two runs, or there's just a lot
2: of base runners. There could be a lot of. Ba- I'm saying there's other things in in in, uh, in that are factors in that in that particular game. So if you're getting through the minimum and you've gotten to that point, like things are probably going pretty well. Literally you're you're pitching a perfect game at that point.
1: And at that point, like you said, you're batter to batter and the moment. If you're you pitching see trouble, a perfect
2: game, I'm not looking at that number. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not
1: talking about a perfect game. <laughs> That's but, what you're... but say okay, that was an extreme example. Let's do a a uh, a realistic, they're scenario. always
2: going to look at that number. They're the fact that they have guys that's why the opener doesn't work to me in the playoffs. That's exactly the reason because they want the embarrassment of riches, the um, these guys to be able to come in in key positions later in the game. Because if their starting pitchers are able to go five innings, six innings, then now you are at a point where you have the back of that bullpen we spent the money on that you you hang your hat on, you know, is dominant. You want them to come in because those numbers now become a, a you know, a factor. So yeah, it's a, it's a big deal and it's how this team was built.
1: I think a, a big issue with this is why? Why are the Yankees so much worse than league average third time through the order? Is it the pitchers they've chosen? Is their pitching style? Is it just how they're coached? They're coached give everything you have the first two times through the order and then we're going to go to our bullpen? Like they're like I'm curious what the reason is and why it, why it's this way.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It's I I don't know what that is. Um they're you know, I think if you're playing at home, when you're looking at Yankee Stadium, some mistakes become you know more, uh, more glaring because balls can leave the yard easier. You know, that that could be a uh, a, a real thing when you're talking about home games. Um, so whereas you're, you're pitching in more of a, a pitcher-friendly ballpark, uh, fifth, sixth inning, you have a long fly ball. It's caught. It's out at Yankee Stadium. So you know you're going to see more of a disparity, I think, in, uh, in in home runs probably while they're at home. But as far as overall. I don't have an answer for well, you. Well, it's
1: something I was definitely keeping an eye on with Tanaka today as he was pitching deeper into that game because I knew the stats. I had looked him up before the game, so I'm thinking, and I'm sure it's something that Boone was looking at. And and with and as he's going third time through the order, uh, and he was still pitching well, I was kind of trying to think, okay, well, is this really what's go- what Tanaka is going to do, or is he going to serve up a home run ball at some point? But he didn't. But that's that's sort of like the game of chicken that the coaches and Boone is playing with someone like Tanaka going into a third time through the order.
2: Well, especially with a one, nothing game. That's like one of the biggest yeah, one, one mistake pitch and you're screwed. So the funny thing is I, like, you know, we've talked about this in the past, how, how Boone has, um, he has that, he has that tendency to give a guy like the benefit of a doubt in a position where he thinks that, you know, maybe that guy could benefit from a good outing or just a little confidence boost. Like, I feel like that's one of the things that we've learned about him is that he tries to give guys Confid- the opportunity to build confidence when when the situation allows for it and and when you're needed. The way the way I see things is that you're playing the Toronto Blue Jays. You're up, you know, a significant uh, margin in the division, and you have Tanaka who's pitching well. He's letting him ride at that point and saying, you know what? Like this is a scenario. Even if it goes askew a little bit, like he probably wouldn't let it go too far. But he would, he would, he was going to give him the opportunity to to get as deep as he possibly could into that game. Now there were probably some stipulations where if there were X amount of people on base at a certain point, he was going to pull him. But then you could still almost pull him with limited damage, even if you had a a, gr- a guy on and a home run. That's still only two runs. Like if you're looking at it, and that's it. I'm going to limit the damage, but I'm also going to going to give him the opportunity to have, you know, just one of those games that he really needs. And uh I like that about Boone. Honestly, like I, I do like that because I think that is one of those one of those factors in a in baseball that statistics and analytics will never pick up on ever. You will never ever be able to pick up on something like that. But in uh, a baseball uh, a baseball player's mind and the way that he needs some confidence, like I think it does go, uh, you know, a good amount of way. The fact that your manager will give you that opportunity and has your back in that sense. So I like that style. He uh, and.
1: When he was so with, with Tanaka today, it was also huge, like you said, huge for his confidence, but also huge because the team's got a doubleheader on Monday, and they have no off I mean, days. I mean, what?
2: Who's the opponent?
1: But you're still gonna have to okay. <laughs> but you don't have a starting pitcher for game two. I mean, so now so now you can go bullpenning in game in game two. Hopefully, if Paxton also pitches well in game one, Tanaka going into the ninth inning today and only having to use Chapman after him is Important even if it is against the, the, the Orioles because guess what? You still got to get 27 outs against the Orioles, even though those are easier outs. They're
2: still outs you have to get. Well, now that Gary Sanchez is back, Romine can pitch with no problem, so that you know they'll be fine. They can extend him and just make him go right. out there. He's no longer the starting catcher, he's just the, the backup. Catcher. <laughs> no, I joke about it, but it's um, yeah, no, it's a it's it's important, I think. In multiple ways, just just to get just to get a guy over that hump and get into the ninth inning like Let's that. Let's be honest.
1: The real reason it's important is because the Yankees are not going anywhere in the playoffs unless Tanaka's is good.
2: Well, yeah, they they absolutely need him to be there. But but you could also look at you could go the other way and say, well, why didn't you pull him in the eighth and leave it as uh, you know fully confident, or even in the seventh, and say I'm not going to kill Boone for that. So I'm not, not going to kill killing, Boone. I, you, I'm certainly not doing that. But what my point is is that. You, you, you could look at this a couple other ways too, if you wanted to. If you wanted to really stretch it, you could say, well, you know, I'm happy with Tanaka going through seven. Let's pull him and go, go and go that route.
1: And guess what? But in he the didn't... playoffs, they would have pulled him.
2: Uh, maybe depending on the situation and how the bullpen was was. But okay. but but here's the thing: like games like Probably today, pull him But games like he... today will give now that little bit of confidence in the back of Boone's mind, saying he can do it. That's what. That's other reasons. That's other things why. Why getting those experiences, getting those uh, those little notches. You know, uh, it's a win, but it's also a win in the sense that hey, we know that Tanaka can win a one nothing game against a potent offense who's been hitting the ball really well against us uh, in this uh, in this series. There's a lot of young talent, but he can go out there and do that. It's just it's another thing in the arsenal and the back of their mind for the coaches and for Tanaka. So while
1: I was. Certainly nervous. That ninth inning at bat, Chapman versus Vlad Jr. was fun. It was awesome. Like, that's just that's just a fun baseball. Yeah, five minutes, tense guy throwing hundred miles an hour, a guy trying to hit a ball five hundred feet. Yeah, and he's one of the best young players in baseball, and, and, who, and he's and, one of
2: the best best closers over the last decade in baseball. Like that is a fun no doubt. moment. So the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to be a problem. Watching watching Vlad Jr. and Bichette. And Biggio to a lesser extent, but just you know the fact that um, that Bichette—he's just a free swinging filthy kid—and and and, uh, and Vlad Jr. Same thing, like the kid just rakes. And when you see the uh, the the velocity off the bat, like that ball that he had to left field that, that bounced oh, off the wall, yeah. like oh my god, that thing there was there is still a dent in that wall. <laughs> the kid mashes. So so watching the yeah like a hard throwing guy like Chapman. Who may or may not be around the plate, and then Vlad Jr., who is just a you know the son of like the biggest free swinger you can think of uh, in our generation. Then it's fun to watch, and the fact that got him to roll into a double play even better. Yeah, do you think we'd be
1: saying it was fun to watch if he hit a ball into the second deck like he almost did down the left field line? The baseball fan
2: inside <laughs> me could recognize the uh, the yeah. funness of that. Uh, of That's that what at- we bat. talked
1: about with the Baltimore series. Yeah. Like, yes, it was fun to watch the Yankees destroy an opponent, but at the same time. I like watching good baseball games and competitive baseball games. Yeah. So give me the one nothing game today a thousand times out of a thousand over those ball, those balls.
2: Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. Because there's a level of of uncertainty and intensity that you'll never get in one of those games. Well, it's fun to hit the ball out of the park, but um, you know, moments like that, you're on the edge of your seat now for every single pitch when you're when you're working with those guys because you know the guy at the plate can absolutely hurt you.
1: And usually, the longer that bat goes, like it did. The worse it gets for the pitcher and the batter's timing it up.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. It was it was good. And and the, Chapman threw it. Man, he that the um the the pitch to close the game out pulled the string pulled the string on him twice in that at bat. But it was a great pitch, and he's really he. I, the thing I'll I'll tell you about Chapman that I've noticed so much this year is that he's really. He's still got the velocity. He's hit 100, 101 on the the radar recently, this past week. So we're seeing the velocity there, whereas people were like, eh, maybe it isn't there. It's there. Um, 104 is not there anymore. 104 is not there, but 104 definitely doesn't need to be there. But the fact that you could throw 101 over the plate, that's pretty damn good, and I'll take it. Um, But the fact that he could pull a string and throw it for a strike, huge. Huge.
1: Uh, A couple other injury updates. So Sanchez back, he hit home run labor was day to day, he's back. Um in still that still day to
2: day like eh, still What? He makes me nervous.
1: Yeah. Um Stanton was placed on the 60-day IL and people freaked out, but it's retroactive yeah. to J- June 25th. He c- he can be eligible to return August 26th. Right. It was a it was a um bookkeeping move. It was nothing. They needed to clear up cuz when you put a guy in the 60-day IL, he's off the 40-man roster. Right yeah, it so was maybe now he could he be traded now? It was a move about nothing. <laughs> um, Holder goes on the IL shoulder inflammation. I wonder if that had anything to do with the fact that they tried to stretch him to three innings in that opening in
2: Baltimore. <clears throat> Who knows? I mean, it's also late in the season, and uh, you know anything could irritate a guy, I think, but he's been so up and down with uh, with the way he's pitched, although he's pitched a lot better recently. It's, it's uh you don't want to see that obviously like th- th- these injuries just don't go away, man It doesn't matter they're not they're not taking out they the injuries don't care who you are <laughs> they're taking out everybody and the, the Yankees keep just winning through them. that's what's wild it's I've never seen anything like it yeah i I hope it's one of those things, but you know we'll we'll talk about this in December and see if it is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to go into it, but it feels, it just, it just feels like when you see things like that, you're just, you get a good feeling about it. That's all.
1: Oh, okay, I think I know what you're saying. I you don't mean, want to you say really it because you don't want to. Yeah, can you, you just don't want to jinx anything. Can you just
2: stop talking about it, please?
1: All right, I'll talk about SeatGeek instead. So the Yankees are coming back home. They got a bunch of games this week. Doubleheader on Monday. Then they got Cleveland, which should be a really fun series. If you guys are trying to go to that game, definitely should check out SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek makes it easy for you to sell uh, to buy tickets. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites get uh, make getting into the event difficult on purpose. It's as if they're so big, they can uh, get away with not caring about the customer experience. SeatGeek definitely cares about the customer experience. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews on their app. So you know they have good customer satisfaction. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then they rate it on a scale of one to 10. They also color code it in the app, green all the way to red. So you can know if you're getting a good deal. SeatGeek displays them, like I said, on the interactive map. And they're also fully guaranteed, so you can shop with confidence. Sometimes you can go out there and you don't know what you're buying off the internet. You know you're getting a uh, qualified, uh, legit ticket from SeatGeek.
2: Look, this is coming. We're coming into the best, best uh, time of the year for sports. Period. You got football starting. You got uh, the end of the baseball season going. So postseason baseball, beginning of football. It's all. It's all here. So if you're trying to go to some NFL games, if you're trying to go to some playoff games potentially later in the season. Or whatever you're trying to do, go to SeatGeek. I, I will be buying Jets tickets off of SeatGeek. I'm a Jets fan. I'm excited for this season. I'm buying in. I'm getting ready. I love the fact that our our coach is crazy. I love the fact that he sniffs some smelling salt before. Pumping smelling salts in I, a pre game. I a love the fact game. that we have a quarterback who has uh, not only looks the part, feels the part, but can throw the ball. We got receivers everywhere. We got a running back. I feel really good, and, and and maybe I'm buying in because I always do when they look good, and then they crush my soul. But I don't seven care. and nine. <laughs> I do have the SeatGeek app on my phone and it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. I will be buying Jets tickets. In fact, I use the buy, the, the ticket to buy Jets tickets. Like I've said, I've bought Spring Seed tickets. I've done it all. Uh, SeatGeek will even give you $10 back uh, off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you do, all you need to do is use the promo code BRONX, download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BRONX for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code BRONX for 10 bucks off your first purchase.
1: A couple things I want to talk about Uh one of them is the Field of Dreams thing the Yankees are doing next August. So, the London thing when it when it was first announced, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." I mean, it's Yankees Red Sox in another country. I'm actually super pumped for this Field of Dreams thing, and maybe it's because I'm just a fan of the movie. Um, but I don't know for some like that commercial where they inserted Aaron Judge into the Field of Dreams scene where he's asking, "Is this is this heaven?" and then Costner goes, "No, it's Iowa." Like that was cool. You're shaking your head like no, you're not on board.
2: Oh no, no, I'm on board with the whole the whole like gimmick. Like the gimmick is is cool and it, it's a gimmick, but I'm sure it's fine. Like you've got 162 games. No, you yeah, have room To do gimmicks, I got no problem with it. I really don't. I think it's a I think it's a cool concept. I think that it's uh it's very neat. Like the promos, I was shaking my head at the promo stuff. That's all, just because oh. this is like a digital marketing guy and like ad, ad, as a designer, and it, some of them drove me nuts. Um, but that's just me being you know anal retentive about certain things. But the um the whole concept i think is very cool the fact that it's going to be uh, a temporary stadium that they're building with like a path going from the movie set to the new stadium it's reminiscent of um was it last year where they played on the uh military williamsport. no oh
1: yeah military was it t- but they also did williamsport yeah that's right with little league right i forgot about that one but they also and they're doing that again this year the red sox are playing williamsport okay this year or next year they,
2: well they played on a military base last year the year before that whenever it was um because I remember the, the, the guy that catches all the home runs like stole a ticket from one of the military guys, which was irritating as all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, they're only yeah. supposed to be enlisted guys or whatever going Temple. in there. Yeah, Temple. yeah, and, like, you're there. Like, why are you there? How'd you get that ticket? Would you? Yeah. Wh- it was just a, well. We're gonna have a way.
1: situation like that with this uh, Field of Dreams thing because there's only eight thousand seats. Right.
2: Yeah, eight thousand seats. Not that
1: it's military, but it's gonna be a hard ticket to get. It'll I be don't a even very, know if They're gonna be. It'll be a difficult sold.
2: Ticket. Yeah, you know a lot of corporate sponsors. I'm sure. I don't know. And this is a White Sox home game. I don't know what it'll be for, like standing room only. Or, like how many they'll actually let into the area, uh, but you will see that I guarantee you will see at night a uh, a line of cars headlights uh, yeah. going into the distance. That will yes. happen. One way or another, yes. they, and
1: Costner should throw out the first pitch.
2: I, yeah, I really hope he does. Or Ray Liotta, if you want to get, if you want to get, uh,
1: like, really, can they just both be there?
2: Maybe they should throw it out to each other. James James Whoa. Earl Jones doing the PA. James Earl Jones definitely needs to be the, the either the PA or in the broadcast in, in some fashion. Has to be. And yes. if you want first pitch, like that's the way you go. You go Costner to, to Liotta.
1: With Earl James Earl Jones doing the call, well,
2: I don't care. No, no, no. I want introductions. I want James Earl Jones in the game. I want. you want him
1: call? You want him legit calling the game, like on the TV broadcast?
2: It's in some fashion. I want him involved in the game. I want Costner and Lyota first pitch. uh, Costner to Lyota as the catcher. That's what I want. Okay. Because it's a, it's a, I I don't, I don't see how.
1: What other route are they going to go? There's that's the only logical thing.
2: They better go that way. They're, they're, uh, look, baseball's missed opportunities, like the uniforms, Dodgers, Yankees, missed opportunity. So who knows what they'll do. But the whole thing is, is, is very cool. Um, definitely, we're going to be looking for those tickets. So if you're listening yeah. to the show and you have the ability to get those tickets, please get in touch with us because we're on board. We're going out there one way or another. So uh, let us know. It'll be fun.
1: All right. Let's get to mailbags. Uh, you're going to do the reading this week.
2: Yeah, I am going to do the reading this week. This is like church. <laughs> if you guys want to submit
1: mailbag questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us at Yankees Podcast. Put them in the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show, which is where the first one is from. Look at that segue, Scott. I will.
2: Right, well, if I can find it. So we're going down the segue. I'm <laughs> blowing it. Totally blowing it here. Uh, okay, David. <laughs> so this one is about, it's from Frank Golden in our Facebook group. So, what are your thoughts about Brett Gardner's comments? I expect to be playing next year. Hopefully, it's here. And we haven't talked about the Brett Gardner situation yet. I was We're, waiting to talk yeah. about Gardner's
1: ejection for this. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, Brett Gardner, I
1: think, has gone full psycho this year. He is he's off the reservation. He's banging his you call them the Savage of uh, of the Bronx. Savage of uh, savage, no, savage of River, of River Ave. Ave. Yeah. He's just banging his his uh, bat up against the roof of the dugout. He did it, obviously, in the, the game when Boone got ejected earlier in the season, was doing it um, because he was hating the calls from the umpire, which were bad. Again, uh, we saw a lot of bad calls over the weekend. But, like, like I, I think Gardner, I don't know what's gotten into him. Maybe he knows it's because his time in baseball is coming to an end soon. He's just gone full lunatic. But here's the
2: thing. He's had the opportunity to go full lunatic. He got tossed from a game when he didn't say a goddamn word. Again, this is one of those opportunities for an umpire to say, hey, look at me. I'm here. I, I, I'm. Uh, you don't see me because I'm wearing the same uniform as all these other guys. I'm supposed to be, you know – seen, not heard, like you're not really supposed to know that I'm here because I'm supposed to be doing a consistent job, and and both teams are supposed to have no problems with what I'm doing, but I have to do it because there's rules and we have to imply them and all these things. No, no, no. This guy has thin skin, another young umpire who's now had a problem with the Yankees, uh, who has thin skin, hears all this talking because the strike zone is dog shit again, and, and tosses a guy without even looking, just assuming that it's Brett Gardner, not looking over, not seeing who it is, not... Not giving a warning shot, saying, hey, Gardner, you need to shut your mouth before I throw you out. No, no, no. Just tossing a guy who literally didn't say a word. Well, because he saw him banging.
1: Who cares? And heard, no, no, no. Listen. He saw him banging and heard yelling and probably just assumed it's Gardner. Not defending him. But then what he did was I, he lied and said, I saw you say something. Right. And Gardner, when he ran out there, said, I didn't say anything. And the guy said... Gardner said, the umpire said to him, I saw you say something. And Gardner's like, I didn't open my mouth. And that's when he started to charge yes. um, uh, George Brett style at the umpire. And you had Aaron
2: Boone giving him the block. Like, no. Hold me Boone back, was me struggling. Back. Boone was like, well, Boone's, a, Boone's, a, Boone's not a small guy. He's a he's a Boone's you know, tall, four, Boone's lanky. He's got some Gardner. He's got dad girth now. Okay. But <laughs> God, you see Gardner's forearms. Gardner's a crazy lunatic. And he's... His His, his, uh, the size of his head alone, he, he could use that thing as a, as a, as a deadly weapon. So, and he tried to. He tried, you know, he did a little, the underneath swim move. It was a, it was a solid move, got out of it. And, you know, he held back. What we, yeah, he was not, because if, if Boone. He could have killed that man. No, but see, the thing is, this is why I
1: always find it funny. Because say Gardner got to the umpire, he's not going to punch him. He's not going to tackle him. There's,
2: there's some wrestling involved with this. So there, there's, there's some animation involved. He had to make his point. He made his point. There was yes. there was no the, the fact is the umpire was in the wrong once again and and uh you know he made a drastic decision in a game where the fans are coming to watch the baseball players play baseball. I'm not saying fans are coming to watch Brett Gardner play. I'm not saying they're not, though. There could be some Brett Gardner fans that were very disappointed after that. But you know what? It's not well, the umpire's decision on when they come out, if unless they do something egregious, and he did not. Cameron um, maybe was the one that was running his mouth a little bit, and it was the coaches.
1: Cameron Maben had a rough series. Kind of, he misplayed a couple balls on left field. Um, Gardner said the reason he was also upset is because Judge, who was getting a yeah. day off and who had been really struggling, kind of just needed a break. Had to go into the game in the fourth inning.
2: Absolutely, you're, you're kind of you know you're hurting the dynamic of what the team's doing. You have days off. You 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 know that guys need that. You're a guy that's benefited from those days off, so you want to make sure that your guys get them. And he's not going to get purposely tossed out of the game over something stupid. And then have Aaron Judge knowingly go into the game. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's one of those veteran things where you, you understand the situation as well. Um, and you're not trying to get tossed there. So it's just one of those things, man, where you, you need to see an umpire. For me, I, I want to see some discipline on that guy. And he, there's got to be some consequences, not just the talking to. But if a player did something egregious like that, there would be discipline. There would be a fine. There would be a suspension. Whatever it is, there needs to be something where these guys are held accountable.
1: You know what the ironic thing is? these umpires these young umpires who are making all these crappy decisions are not helping themselves as it pertains to robo umpires like they don't want robot umpires because then their jobs are in jeopardy but the more they suck and the more bad decisions they make the more people are going to call for robot umpires
2: the fact that they're available and we all know that the technology is there it is uh is just like the immediate go-to now so like we know, it's not like it's a futuristic thing. Like, oh, someday we should have robotic. No, no, no. We could do that tomorrow if we wanted to. So it's a, it's a really convenient way to go for a fan. So yeah, anything that you do badly or on the on the side where you could be scrutinized, like that's the way to go. You go to the, the area where really there's no error. It is what it is.
1: I think to Frank's question about Gardner saying he wants to play here next year, I think the Yankees need to make a decision what they want to do with Frazier. And if Clint Frazier is their left fielder, then I don't know if Brett Gardner will be here or should be here.
2: I mean, I still it, – it's, it's crazy that we're talking about this, that it's a real possibility because nobody really – a lot of people didn't think it was a possibility for this year. But, you know, I mean, if he's a fourth outfielder, like, that's one thing. that you, If you're going to have uh, – because he can't play center field. So he hasn't physically diminished at all. You haven't seen that. We've seen him get beat up and, and you know, kind of tail off at the end of the season. So far we're not seeing that. Who knows what will happen for the next month. Uh, month and change but um you know at this point well, let's i mean He cemented play out this himself scenario. as one of those guys it's just one of those core guys but so
1: assuming yeah i know you can't assume health obviously you can't assume health but you have judge hicks and stanton all making a, a lot of money or locked up or hope to be locked up long term i know judge isn't locked up long term but judge hopefully is not going anywhere then if you have gardner frazier and then any other depth pieces that, like Talkman,
2: like Talkman came out of nowhere. What if Talkman's the real deal? No, absolutely. There's, a, there's a lot of. It's not just Frazier anymore. It's probably not Frazier anymore. It's Mike Talkman's now in a, is a is a potential conversation about this whole thing. So yeah, there's, it's a it's a, a murky situation, and I, and I think it'll play off play out the rest of the year. They'll see where they are, and then they'll look at. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way. If he was back, it wouldn't surprise me. If he wasn't back, it wouldn't surprise me. Anything Next. else on the uh, on on the on the Gardner stuff? No, I mean it was just great. I did make a video that I that I was I was literally like laughing through the video because because he's such a lunatic and the fact that I just kept I kept hitting you know I was replaying like the same thing him hitting it uh, the bat against the roof and then I I because when I first saw it first thing I thought of was wo- the um, the Wolf of Wall Street that's where I got the video uh... yeah. when I saw that with him hitting the the top of the roof like for some reason my head went there
1: and so because Matthew McConaughey played a lunatic in that scene yeah. and Brett Gardner is a lunatic and, right and it
2: was kind of like that and then I went to YouTube and I was looking it up and I found the remix I'm like oh my god <laughs> this is this has to be done I gotta do this so I made the video and uh, yeah it was it was fun to make and I, I literally was laughing through it because he's such a crazy cr- crazy lunatic doing that it's probably my wife's favorite part of the season is seeing Brett Gardner do his stupid antics. Because she loves that kind of thing. Because baseball brings out the child in you. It doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter where you are in your career. You can act like a complete moron, a complete idiot, a, a, like a, a three-year-old, and it's fine.
1: But it's so weird because we've never seen Gardner do this at any point in his career. Bang, bang, the uh, top of the It's dozen. a new move. He found it. It's a good move. He went to it. Uh, it's going to be his new thing because like Paul O'Neill always punched water coolers, but he always did that. You know, like all of a sudden Gardner in the uh, in 30s, whatever old
2: he is, his 36 year old season, he's starting to bang, bang uh, bats on the roof. I mean, he likes it. And and <laughs> he said there was no there are there's no rule against it until until now. Maybe they're
1: probably, oh, just watch They probably. will. Well, be maybe now that it. they're
2: like, you know, Brett, there's no rule. But just so you know, if you do it again, like you're probably going to get uh, warned or tossed or something. Who knows? I like that he's doing it. I like seeing dumb shit on a baseball field. It makes me happy. So <laughs> it's like watching a, uh, a basketball coach go completely ape Like I, I love that too because they're it's a grown man acting like a complete moron. And it's acceptable. I like that. All right, next one is from David Yu. He says, do you think the Yankees will sign Didi in the offseason or do they move Glaber to shortstop and put DJ at second? If they do sign Didi, how many years should they give him? So – I
1: think the fact that Urshela has been playing so well and Lemayhu is better than anyone even could have imagined when they signed him and, and Didi's contract is up, people are saying like, oh, wow, is Didi actually not going to be on this team long term?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I feel like I speak for every single fan of the New York Yankees in saying that we all want him to be a part of this team for a long sure. time. I think Didi has captured the The hearts and minds of Yankees fans. We all we love him on the field, off the field. Like he's just, he's the perfect replacement to a legend that we all know of Derek Jeter. He was the perfect guy to do it. He had a great attitude, has a great attitude, smiles all the time. Great clubhouse guy, clutches all hell, uh, and plays a you know an amazing shortstop defensively. So, yes, we all want him there. There's no doubt, and I think the Yankees will absolutely make it a priority to try to resign him. It's a matter of if Didi and the Yankees are on the same page uh, with their with the value of this contract, where he thinks he should be, where the Yankees are going to offer it, and if that lines up. Do the Yankees have other shortstops on the team? They do. Maybe it, 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 I think it personally uh, affects the team in a negative way if they don't sign him. Maybe they don't. Who knows what they think? But I think there will be uh, significant efforts to re-sign him, and I think I got to believe that Didi uh, feels like he wants to re-sign here. It's, it's been a very good thing for Didi.
1: What's the... Um seattle shortstop i'm forgetting oh his
2: name. um yeah uh uh, Jan, uh segura mm-hmm.
1: segura he got like five and 70 something
2: okay and i think and i think
1: that's like a comp to dd's could be a comp great to sign it tomorrow no no but i'm um, just what i'm saying like the question was what do you think they'll give him i know like i could see i, I could see five and 75
2: yeah i'd say that's pretty i'd say that's I'd say that's a good number, and I think the Yankees should do that a thousand percent. And I think Deedy would seriously consider that. Might have
1: to give him a little bit DeeDee, more. You might have to give him a little, you little might, bit more. You might have, you to, might give have to give him eighty or something. Look, there's there, to...
2: there's going to be there's probably going to be a little bit of a bump for what you've done here as well, right? Like I think players when they when they see that they've been in a situation for a long time, they've done the right things, they've been. I mean, he replaced Derek. Freaking Jeter! <laughs> I was having this conversation. It doesn't get with much more difficult than that, as far as like the fan acceptance.
1: So I was talking to uh, someone at work. Uh, he's a Mets fan, and he we we're just we always talk about baseball. And he was like, uh, "When did when did you get Didi?" I was like, "2015." He's like, "So who was the shortstop in between Jeter and Didi?" I'm like, "No one." He's like, "No." I was like, "Yeah, it's crazy that Didi came in right after Jeter, and somehow." Was able to be successful and be loved. because
2: it's a next to impossible scenario. Tino did it with Don Mattingly,
1: and Don, okay, as but,
2: I loved but, it as but, much as, but it was also a very different scenario in the same. I, I I understand the injury thing, but Tino was coming over from Seattle, who just beat them. That was that. I was know one you of those love areas. Don
1: Mattingly, and I know people love Don Mattingly. Come on,
2: he was He's a not captain. Derek Jeter. He was a Yankee captain. I'm, what I'm saying is, if you're looking for comparables, you have it right there. Maybe it's not to the same level, but it was also very different scenarios in the sense too. Tino Martinez came from a team that literally just knocked Don Mattingly out for his final year, knocked the Yankees out in an opportunity where they had a good team. They had just been screwed by a strike the year before that. Like there were a lot of good things going that way, and Tino was on the enemy, was on the team that beat them. So there were there but were a lot of But Tino hurdles was a them. good
1: baseball player. Fans could say Tino's a good baseball player.
2: People who gives a shit do you think did, do you think it matters though that that it, it's a good. I'd say it's yes. Almost, it does matter for for. I'd, I'd say it's harder for a good baseball player to come from an enemy and replace a legend than for an uh, obscure guy to uh, over uh, shoot everybody's expectations.
1: Um, well, maybe in f- New York. Maybe f- I don't know. I, that's a good point. But what I'm saying, the scenario with Didi is you're you're replacing a legend with a nobody. And he's sucking in the first half of 2015, making base running errors, and this is like at the time, people had not heard of Didi Gregorius, and still assumed he was a nobody who was going nowhere.
2: Oh, for the for the majority of fans, yes, I, for sure, nobody was seeing him as the replacement at that point.
1: No, and here we are, four years later. Yeah, and he's the guy, and we're talking about they need to lock him up to a five year contract. Absolutely,
2: I, it's a to me the scenario is pretty close. Like it's a it's a pretty. Pretty interesting uh, comparison because Tino was here for such a long time as well, and stayed here. Um, the difference being Tino was an established player with Seattle, and and we know we knew kind of what we were getting. Whereas Didi was an unknown, and and yeah, he f- exceeded expectations in everybody's level because nobody had expectations for him at that point, especially replacing Jeter. Didi also probably knows that
1: uh, his his power plays for Yankee Stadium, and I'm not sure. He another team will value him as much as the Yankees value him.
2: That's fair, especially with the with today's metrics. Like that's going to be exposed. The fact that he doesn't pull the ball. The fact that I'm sorry that he doesn't go opposite field for any kind of power at all is is a big deal for other teams. Probably.
1: I don't. I don't even know. I'd have to look down down the different um, teams and who who's in the market for a shortstop. So maybe if the market's not there, Yankees could get him for even less than
2: that. But that's the thing. Like The Yankees should not – there's going to be a, 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 an area where they're going to have to pay him for what he's done too because that's a real thing. Whether it's significant or not, it, it'll be close. Like I think they will be you, – you'd like to think that the, the Yankees at this point would be freaking signing D.D. Gregor. and Not to mention, the dollars off the field, like the fact that this guy literally does bring butts in seats, that's a big deal. All right. All right, what's, what's up last? Last one is from Connor K. He says, can we just take a moment uh, to appreciate Ken Singleton, him, and Paul O'Neill are my favorite color guys?
1: Uh, so yeah, there's, so lo- I mean, this, this, is this is like a random, here. a random thing, but I, I wanted to bring up, you know, Michael K has been out for basically a month. ruco has been doing the broadcast and
2: I know a lot of people love what Ruco has been doing. A lot of people have. And so I think there's, I think there's some, it's, there's a really interesting thing with this Ruco, I think nobody, um, nobody really dislikes Ruco because he's a, he's a really nice guy. He's got the podcast with CC with R2C2. Um, he's a younger guy but also gets along with the players well. So he kind of speaks the language of the younger baseball fan too, but he's also extremely knowledgeable, qualified Fordham kid from the area. Like there's a lot of things that line up for people, what people want to hear. He was on the radio before this. So people know who he is. He's done the net stuff. He's been with. Yes. Like he's, there's a lot of dots to connect for as far as like good things for Ruko. And I think K over the years has been a a bit polarizing in in the sense that people, you either like K or you don't like K like that's there's two camps. And, Well, I think most people, and in fact, I think all people, should respect K and what he's done, and the fact that he's um, been a guy around the Yankees for a very long time. You know that the fact that he started in radio with John Sterling as well with the Yankees and was doing calls on 77 ABC. Like I remember listening to the Jim Abbott um, Noah hitter. That's one of my biggest memories. You know, thinking about as a kid listening on the radio was those two calling them on seven. I think it was seven seventy, but. He's a polarizing guy. He's got a talk show now too, where he leads it. Like, there's he's talking about everything. So I think that K rubs people the wrong way in some areas. Kind of a weird guy in the sense, like he doesn't eat like the food thing. People like, oh, what do you do? Yeah, that annoys me. It, he doesn't eat vegetables. So it's, it's a little weird. And you're like, not a, you're not you're not you're not a mature. Adult and he's also with got vegetables. some. You know, he's got some. Uh, you know, he 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 punches back on social media. Ruko is just like a nice guy on social media and doesn't really do that. People don't really come at him either, though. So I, I think it's kind of a. Perfect so here's. Storm.
1: I think it depends what you want out of your broadcast. Ruko's not going to like you said ruffle any feathers. Right. Ruko is knowledgeable. He is definitely more up to date on what's going on on social media and podcasts and more connected to the younger generation of fans.
2: Absolutely. He does NBA stuff, which is but also But just big. like just or WNBA we ha-
1: also have to remember we live in a bubble on Yankees Twitter and Yankee social media. The majority of people watching yes are not our age. They're not on Twitter. Right. That's true. It's an older, it's an older generation. Sure. So they probably like the broadcast that Michael K is doing better than the one that Ryan Rico is doing.
2: Yeah, that's very possible. I have no idea what the demographics in like what the insights are talking about.
1: Baseball all over, MLB ratings are they skew old? They don't skew young.
2: I understand that, but the, but you also look at some of the yes. I mean, I get emails from that. About that, about like when the Yes touts, like when we've had a um, a big game in market, and you know like what their ratings have been, the Nielsen ratings or whatever they are for for um, viewership, and they're they're definitely up uh, overall. Like I'm not yeah. saying a one, I don't know what the numbers are between Ruko and K, but they're up because the team is good. So i think largely right a broadcaster is not going to put largely it's dependent on the team tv if it's a bad team i feel like you could find out more about the broadcast team yeah you know like what people think about it at that point but if it's a good team people just kind of go along with it no matter what but do you think a a, a broadcaster will
1: cause someone to turn on or turn off their tv
2: yes i'm raising my hand
1: no no i'm not talking about like a uh Okay, yeah. You're not going to watch you don't like Joe Buck, so you're not going to no, watch the I don't the mind Fox. Joe Buck.
2: I don't mind Joe Buck anymore. Okay,
1: okay, fine. Uh, whoever you Rod Okay, A-Rod. Okay, fine. I hate but if it's the Yankees the Sunday playing night Sunday night, night baseball, you're still going to watch. I know you're not going to watch the Cubs versus the Cardinals Sunday yeah. night game because A-Rod will annoy you, but if the Yankees are playing, you're still
2: going to watch. You're not going to turn off. Oh, absolutely. But guess what? I did mute it <laughs> for a large <laughs> part of the game. I'm I don't serious. think
1: ESPN cares because they're still getting I know, the but my point is that
2: they affected the w- how I watched the game. I can't handle some of the okay. things that they say. It, it bothers me. I just me. don't think.
1: It I don't think me. whether people like K or hate K. You're right. I think, I think people have stronger opinions on K than they do Ruko. Yes, but you know what? I think that's probably a good thing for Michael K. Probably because because I think that I, makes his radio Ruko, show
2: better because people uh, people will yes. listen to disagree with you.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, we've learned that on a very Absolutely. smaller scale with this podcast. So. I think as as good of a job as Rico has done, and I think he's done a great job. Uh, Mike I, Francesa I think... is still on the
2: air for one reason. <laughs>
1: well, he, he, that's no, yeah, no, that's no. A no. Thing. But
2: that's that's very relevant to this. The reason he's still on the air is the older crowd is listening to him. It's the older crowd, but also disagreements. But but the also younger crowd drive ratings. I don't think the younger crowd's listening to him on the Michael radio. K- I think Bra- the younger Michael crowd's K- listening to Funhouse, and then oh, and then oh yeah, and then, and then commenting on it on Twitter.
1: Yes. But for Michael Kay's yes broadcast with the Yankees, I think he brings up more interesting points than so far Ruko has brought up, discussing points about the team. And maybe I care about that stuff more because I think Kay do, does a, an ESPN radio show for three hours a day, so he's, this is like his world he's living in. Ruko doesn't seem like he's the type to bring that kind of stuff up. He's not going to really criticize the team. He's not going to call something out when when something doesn't go well. Maybe he's not going to do that
2: because he's not full time at this point. Well, I think there's a couple of things. When you're, you, that's a good point. When you're talking about the difference between the two of them, yes, one of one of them is younger. One of them is more in tune with like pop culture and stuff. But one of them definitely has a, I think, a better, more strong relationship with the players inside there as well. That's a oh, big Ruko 100. But that's a big factor. Like he's not gonna, so he doesn't
1: he doesn't want to.
2: If he, he doesn't want to ruffle negative. those relationships, yeah, he'll be fair. He'll be fair. He's he's fair, I think, but maybe not in close situations. He's probably not as fair as so you see here's, a Ruko guy, or i as as can, K.
1: It can go off the rails because you want your broadcasters to say what you're thinking. A lot of people, that's their ideal broadcast. Say what I'm thinking, yeah. because if 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 uh, a team leaves the bases loaded with nobody else and they don't score. Like, it's not ho-hum, move on to the we next s- thing. You're mad as a fan.
2: So we've heard from this show, like, one of the overwhelming things that we've heard from feedback from our show is that uh, I, I think a lot of people relate to the fact that we will be emotional about certain things and talk about them in a, in a way that we see them. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to bullshit about it. Like, it is what it is. We see it. We say it because we're fans. We're in that position where we can just talk about it, and that's – it is what it is. We're not trying to appease anybody. Like, nobody's no. looking over our shoulder.
1: No. Um, but we no, perfect- it, is, it is funny when we get the occasional person to think we're like in the pocket, or like the like yeah. the team is in our pocket. It's like, are you out of your goddamn mind? No. but here, let me finish my thought. This is where when the Chappelle thing when keeping it real goes wrong, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis eckersley and and the shit he's <laughs> talked about uh, uh, David Price. Like that shit hit the fan. There was a whole big issue on the team plane. So yes, broadcasters can take it too far, and I think K takes it to a, an acceptable level where I don't think any any team any player in that clubhouse is gonna go to Michael K and say, I "Can't believe you said this." Clint Fraser, st-
2: only one. Okay, yeah, yeah, he did. But th- okay. and that was almost like a misspoke. like he kind of back from what he said cuz he- that was on his radio show though not on Right he- so but he's still talking like it is still that guy but he's one you're, you're you're probably talking about the most polarizing Yankees player that's come along in a long time and and then one of the most sensitive too one like, of the most a sensitive is not going to bl- put blinders on Well and also I think I think some of the things that Kay said were almost uh taken differently than what he meant and i know that's an easy that's a very gray line as far as what you're you're trying to say and and how it's interpreted sometimes but i don't know but so i think there's there's things that, that can happen there as well but ruko is definitely friends with some of these guys and i think a lot of fans enjoy that part of it though because you're seeing the inside looks and it's not just a formal interview like if we had a guy on our show and we've had guys on our show before. It's probably not gonna be the same dynamic as as Ruko sitting in the press box with him, knowing with Cece there, who is also like an intermediary who's on the team. And and like the level of comfort and and the way that they approach those interviews is very they're not interviews, they're conversations, they're different. And I get that. It's an inside view. And I think a lot of people love that part of the way that Ruko is. While he's calling a game, like some of his home run calls have been phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anything Ruko has done because I really no. like Ruko a lot.
1: This isn't criticizing either of them. It's just different styles. It's just say that they're different, and yeah. I think there could be a place for both of them on next year's broadcast because I think... Together? there's a, I don't know, together, but you could that, I mean alternate. we've seen that for you the past filter, few years. You could filter in Ruko more. More He, he could maybe. do more games. And, I, I, and, I, and maybe I enjoy, that's the thing... Here's what I'm saying. I enjoy both broadcasts. I yeah. I, I like both. So I would actually think I would like to have both more often because maybe a full season of Ruko could get stale and a full season of K could get annoying. So b- b- have them both. No,
2: that's fair. I think Eddie, Yeah, too much. Too much of one thing. You could always. You could always say that too. But you know, K is just more of like I think he definitely brings the more of the, um, the historian side to baseball as well. So I think when you have more of the traditionalists, they're gonna they're gonna look for K. They're gonna be on team K. When you have a younger guy who has, um, you know, I think him. Uh, with Ruko and the other thing is Ruko and the dynamic of the the guy the other guys in the booth. Like I think it's very different. The dynamic mm-hmm. between uh, Cone and Ruko, I think, is really good. I think they're both on. Yeah, uh, the... Cone really ap- appreciates like the younger side of it. I think because Cone does, he's more into the metrics. He's more into that side, and I think they have a different dynamic.
1: The the Ruko Singleton wasn't that great. I love Kenny
2: Singleton. He's one of those guys that's a. I know, but it, you could just tell they weren't. So I disagree. The same I disagree. I think Ruco and Singleton are great. I, I disagree. I think Ruco. <laughs> I think Ruco and Flaherty were terrible. There, well, were, I'm not. A, no one's really a Flaherty. Fan. But that, yeah, there was a weird thing there. Like they almost like you could tell they didn't like each other. That's what I thought was something weird. I thought Singleton's one of those guys. Like he tries to be cool, and because of that, he is cool because he's Kenny Singleton. You know, like he's he's just the guy like. How could you ever say anything bad about him? But see, here's—I
1: think Singleton does a really good job doing the play-by-play, and he was the color guy while Ruko was doing the play-by-play.
2: I like Kenny Singleton as a color guy, though, man. Like I, I, I just appreciate—I like that old old school baseball. Guy. That's why I like Harold Reynolds because he just talks. I like those right. guys who just talk who've played. I like that. You know, different flavors. Good t- different flavors. Good t-
1: Good talk, Scott. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys, for submitting mailbag questions. Like I said, submit those for every Monday's episode. Any last words?
2: No, man, that was a fun episode. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed talking uh, that last that last thing about. I, it's such a. I don't think we've a lot of people have talked about the dynamic. People are just like, oh, I like this guy, don't like that guy like talk it yeah. out why don't you like him why do you like him Like, what are the reasons I feel like you can get this also everyone has to have an opinion yeah. uh,
1: like a, a, a black or there, white everything is black or white on Twitter it's like no I, I like both there's a world
2: where you can like multiple things <laughs> it's okay
1: <laughs> alright that's gonna do it for this episode we will talk to you guys Thursday
2: hey guys thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show